From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The new opposition leader, Peter Dutton, has been keen to say that he wants Australians to get to know him better. He's acknowledged making some mistakes in the past, including walking out of the 2008 apology to the stolen generation. But now an exclusive report by Karen Middleton has revealed that last year, Peter Dutton intervened to cancel an Australian Defence Force plan to give military bases dual English and Indigenous names. Today, Chief Political Correspondent for the Saturday paper, Karen Middleton, on Peter Dutton's decisions as Defence Minister and what they tell us about his approach to change. It's Tuesday, June 7. Karen, in the time since Peter Dutton took over the leadership of the Liberal Party, there have been these signs that he and and the party want to portray him in a slightly softer way. So can you tell me a bit about what we're hearing, what the the message is about Dutton right now? Well, he wanted people to see the whole person, he said. He said in his previous jobs he had to be tough in home affairs and defence and now he wants them to understand the softer side of his personality. People would best know him as being quite an aggressive person politically. He's taken quite conservative positions and prosecuted his arguments very forcefully. He says now he wants them to understand that there's a deeper dimension to his personality and that they will be seeing more of that in future. Okay, well, let's talk about how that might actually play out, Karen, because one of the first things on the new government's agenda is reform to Indigenous affairs beginning with a a commitment to the Uluru Statement from the Heart. So how is Peter Dutton likely to approach that issue? Well, it's interesting. Uh, It's a bit unclear at the moment. You know, we live in uh, the best country in the world. Uh, I want our country to support aspiration and to reward hard work. We have a rich and proud Indigenous heritage and a migrant story, the envy of the world. He talked in his first news conference as leader of the Liberal Party about the Uluru Statement from the Heart briefly, and about the proposed um, constitutional change to entrench a voice to Parliament. Um, You said you regretted walking out on the apology to the stolen generations. Does that now mean you'll be more open to supporting the Uluru Statement of the Heart? Very very happy to speak with uh, the government. As I I note, Linda Burney in the last couple of days has said that they're still working through the detail of what they're likely to propose, so we'll wait for that detail. The Albanese government obviously has that, as you say, a big priority Peter Dutton will only commit to wanting, um, well, being willing to talk about it. But what he he did reflect on when he was questioned was some of his positions on Indigenous affairs in the past. Now, he notoriously walked out on the Kevin Rudd Stolen Generations National Apology to the Parliament in 2008. He said now that that was a mistake, but he explained why he did it and he, he didn't seem to have changed the view that that prompted doing it. Many of you have lived out in regional areas and many of you haven't. Uh, I worked uh, in Townsville. Uh, I remember going to many domestic violence instances, uh, particularly involving Indigenous communities. So he said that he'd spent 10 years as a policeman in, in Queensland and in that time he'd had a lot of experience dealing with family violence and particularly family violence in Indigenous communities. At the time, I believe that the apology should be given when the problems were resolved and the problems are not resolved. 
And he said that was the reason that he didn't support the apology because he felt that there were issues that had to be resolved in a practical sense in Indigenous communities before there should be an apology. And interestingly, he said that those still haven't been resolved. So it sort of sounded like he was saying it was a mistake to walk out perhaps in a political sense, but he didn't sound as though he had changed his view about what needed to change in Indigenous affairs that had prompted that in the first place. So it was an interesting kind of take on his, you know, reflecting on what he'd done before. But he did say uh, that he understands that symbolism has a role in reconciliation, so he he made that concession. Mm. And he's obviously, he seems willing to acknowledge that maybe things could have been done differently with the apology, but that's a long time ago now, Karen. Is there anything, I suppose, that we can look at in terms of his more more recent history, his role as Defence Minister, his, his record on the issue of Indigenous recognition in the last sort of term of Parliament? Well, there are things that are now coming to light about his term as Defence Minister in particular, and he was only really in that job for about a year before the election, that indicate that he didn't have much time for some aspects of the drive towards recognition and some of the measures that Defence was undertaking. Right. So what kinds of things are we talking about, Karen? What happened when Dutton was Defence Minister? Well, the Defence Force and the Defence Department, together we call them Defence, have a reconciliation action plan. In fact, they've had a series of them going right back to 2007. And the most recent one was laid out in 2019 for three years. And it has 61 actions in it that Defence undertakes to complete by the end of of December of this year. And a couple of them are particularly interesting. One of them was to put plaques at every defence establishment around Australia acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land. And that process is underway Another key undertaking was to give major defence bases around the country dual names. So so keep the English language names they have now, but add Indigenous names that reflect the country that they sit on. This was supposed to be part of the plan. Again, it was meant to be finished by December this year. But when Peter Dutton became minister last year, I've now confirmed that he's put a stop to that. He cancelled that aspect of the plan. He didn't really give any reason for it in any formal sense. I haven't managed to find anyone who who can articulate what the explanation was at the time, but he stopped it. When I asked Defence about that, uh, they focused on their commitment to reconciliation and their intention to review the actions that they had committed to but they when they when it came to the dual naming question they didn't directly address that and uh and I was told that it was definitely off the table under Peter Dutton and we'll see whether it's reinstated under the new government there were stories published last year indicating that Peter Dutton had ordered defense to stop pursuing a quote unquote woke agenda and that he had said this after defense had allowed staff to host morning teas at which they Uh, wore rainbow-coloured clothing to mark the International Day Against Homophobia, Biophobia, Interphobia and Transphobia, which is known as Ida Hobbit, that occurs every year. So if you see the decision he made on dual naming of bases in terms of Indigenous affairs in the context of that instruction, that perhaps we're getting a picture that he doesn't like anything that he sees as woke. Now, has he changed his view in the last 12 months Uh, is he genuinely now acknowledging that there is a place for these symbolic things or is he saying that because he thinks that he needs to say that to 
appeal to sections of his party and sections of the community. Right, OK, and so Dutton's views on this, on symbolic representation, why will that be important when it comes to the reforms that the incoming government is hoping to implement? Well, it's, it's hoping to implement constitutional change in terms of the voice to parliament and Indigenous recognition, and really that's going to be very difficult to do if there isn't bipartisan support. So the government will be hoping that it can get the opposition to work constructively with it driving towards constitutional change. History tells us that if the major parties are not all on the one side, constitutional change fails, referenda fail. So the government will be looking very closely at what Peter Dutton and the opposition are saying and hoping they can find a way to work together to achieve this. We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Karen, we've talked about how the opposition under Peter Dutton might approach Indigenous affairs, but let's dig into what the Albanese government is actually planning on doing. Let's start with the new cabinet. What's been announced? Well, it tells us a few different things. On Indigenous affairs, it's quite clear that that is a high priority for the Albanese government. Uh, Today, our caucus has met and elected a front bench uh, to serve in the forthcoming uh, government that I'm proud to lead. Anthony Albanese has appointed Linda Burney, who's a close friend of his and a long-time colleague, into Cabinet dealing with the matter of implementation of the Uluru Statement from the Heart and particularly enshrining a voice to Parliament in the Constitution. This is a priority for the government and Patrick Dodson uh, will have uh, responsibility along with the Minister, Linda Burney, for overseeing Uh, the Uluru Statement from the Heart as we move forward, particularly with our plan for a constitutional change. She doesn't have extra jobs. That is her main job. Other elements that might have been incorporated with that portfolio have been given to others so she can concentrate on that. This is a change which is long overdue that we need to make. And uh, I can't think of anyone better uh, than Linda Burney as the Minister and Pat Dodson with that special responsibility to move forward. He's appointed uh, Senator Pat Dodson as a special envoy for the implementation of the actions in the Uluru Statement. So that's a sort of off-to-the-side special role, so he can travel around the country advocating for that and consulting people. And he's also appointed the Northern Territory Senator Malindiri McCarthy as an assistant to Linda Burney and, and also helping Indigenous health. And just while we're talking about these Cabinet appointments, Karen, I'm interested to know 
What else do you think that they tell us about the government's priorities? Well, you can tell a bit about individuals and you can tell a bit about portfolio areas. He's reinstated a climate change department and added environment and water to it and energy. And that's something that existed under the previous Labor government. Climate change was really taken out of the departmental title under the coalition. So he's elevating that, the status of that. Chris Bowen, as the climate change minister, will oversee that. And also Tanya Plibersek, who's been moved from uh, education into the environment and water portfolio. Now, this is where the personality thing comes in. It's an important job. It's seen really, it's not a promotion for her. It's a bit of a sideways move. Um, some are describing it as a demotion. People I spoke to point out that it's a, it is an important job. She's highly skilled and highly qualified to do it. She's got ministerial experience and it's going to be a difficult job, particularly in negotiating the Murray-Darling Basin Plan and the water extraction limits that need to be set. But there are people who point out that there um, might be another agenda there in, in her appointment. It's not the highest profile portfolio, although it does have the Great Barrier Reef in it, but it's a portfolio that's going to require a lot of knuckling down and a lot of hard work. And it might be a bit harder for her to free range, I guess. And if you look at it in the context of the fact that she was known to have leadership ambitions, in fact, she she joined with uh, Bill Shorten, who was Anthony Albanese's big rival, going back as far as 2013, she became his deputy. Uh, she no, she's known to still have leadership ambitions of her own and she's very popular. And it may be that in his position, you know, he'd prefer to give her a job that'll keep her very busy and so that there's less of a chance for uh, her popular presentation to be compared to him. Now, that's my supposition, but I can see how people might see it in that light. So there are a range of of different things, a new Department of Employment and Workplace Relations that Tony Burke will oversee with emphasis on the industrial side of the economy and wanting to bring business and unions together. Anthony Albanese is talking a lot about trying to get people to collaborate and work together. So this underscores his point that he wants this to be a two-term agenda and he's looking beyond 2025, not just in the next three years. Right. Okay. And so when it comes to that agenda then, to Labor's agenda, and I suppose specifically the part of it that we've been talking about today, reform to Indigenous affairs, how difficult do you think that that is likely to be for Labor? Is this a policy area that you think is is likely to throw up a lot of challenges for them? Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult because people's focus at the moment, uh, might be closer to home. Certainly, there are plenty of people who believe this is unfinished business and needs to be addressed. There are some people in the in the community who are more focused on the cost of living, the state of the economy, and who may insist the government should spend more energy on that than other things. Anthony Albanese has said a number of times he thinks you can do more than one thing at one time. But it will be a challenge to bring the whole community together. And I think the Labor government learnt lessons from the last time it was in office about trying to do things without bringing the community with them and equally abandoning things the community wanted without making enough of an effort to see them through. So I think he will be very mindful of the need to to try and keep people on that journey but, but equally keep moving forward. And that's why I think he's given the attention to Indigenous affairs in the form of the ministerial positions that he's announced. Karen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. 
Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Momenta. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Also in the news today, Google has been ordered to pay former New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro more than $700,000 over a series of racist and abusive videos published on YouTube channel Friendly Geordies. The federal court ruled that Google failed to adhere to its own policies by doing nothing to prevent hate speech, cyberbullying and harassment of Barillaro. And the New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet has announced plans to recruit 10,000 additional medical staff and give existing healthcare workers a $3,000 appreciation payment. Perrottet said that this will be the biggest boost in our health workforce in our state's history and the largest in the country. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.